What's up, Bills Mafia? This is Gregory Russo, defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, and you are listening to The Lockdown with Jake Jordan. What is going on, Bills Mafia? Welcome to the coolest show in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York, the lowdown with Jake Jordan. And man, did you guys hear that intro, man? I got Gregory Rousseau to do an intro this. And yes, the name is The Lowdown with Jake Jordan, not The Lockdown with Jake Jordan. But hey, it was still cool enough for anything for him to actually acknowledge and do this awesome intro for our show. And you know, this is going to be a long one, ladies and gentlemen. I recorded the last night an interview with my older brother, Adam, and we basically talked the house down. We talked all the way. I swear, it's like an hour and 30 minutes, so I'm not going to take up all of your time here today, but just know this show is probably going to be close to two hours, and we've got some things to talk about, obviously. Uh, I'll talk about them with Adam, but we also are going to hit on just the solo way of talking about them. So thank you for listening to this show. However you're listening in the car, going to work, or maybe you're coming from work. Thankfully, it is the weekend and you are ready to listen to some Buffalo Bills talk. So how's everybody doing? I am your host, Jake and geez man the nfl draft was last week and that was something that was just completely awesome to sit there and watch uh maybe i didn't exactly agree with everything that brandon bean did in said draft but you know we'll talk about that and a couple of things have happened when it comes to picking up some fifth year options for guys who we have drafted and developed so make sure to stay tuned for all of that this is brought to you by the built in buffalo podcast network thank you for choosing us to be your source of Buffalo Bills content, at least for today. And man, so let's talk about the draft. Man, this draft, I didn't know how to feel about it at first, right? Because we went into the draft and I pretty much assumed that we were going to go cornerback and edge rusher. I thought those were the two main positions on the team that could use some addressing. And in all honesty, we got to pick 30. You know, I did the live show with Dave and the guys on Built in Buffalo. We had some really cool guests on there as well. And we sat there and we did the entire first round. I was kind of the guy in the chair where I sat there and I got the picks a little bit early. So I was able to give them to people and we could talk about them before they even went up on the TV. And man, when that 30th pick came in, it felt like forever we had already been on for i guess since it was like 7 45 we had been on and it was getting you know really really close to midnight or even was past it and we're just sitting there waiting for the pick and the pick comes in and gregory Rousseau gets thrown in and i'm gonna let you know right now i was disappointed at that fact at the moment when it happened and that's only because there were guys sitting there that I thought could have been better picks, at least at that moment. Asante Samuel Jr., the cornerback from Florida State, was still sitting there. We had Jeremiah Wusu koromoa still sitting there, linebacker out of Notre Dame, somehow fell to us. 
And it actually turns out that there was a heart issue with him, and that is why he fell to us. And Asante Samuel Jr. just ended up going in the second round like I assumed he would. And Gregory Rousseau was originally a guy who, you know, he had 15 and a half sacks. He could have came out the same year as Chase Young with only one less sack than Chase Young and probably would have been a top 10 pick regardless. And then he decided, you know, because of the COVID thing, he was going to opt out to help his mom. And you can't do anything but, you know, admirate him just for actually putting his career on hold to be able to help his mother. That is completely awesome. And then he declared for the draft and, you know, he put on a little bit of weight, his pro day, he was a little bit slow and he, he was pretty much mocked to be a second round talent at most. And, you know, but we all kind of knew, yeah, he's kind of still one of the top five edge rushers, pass rushers in this draft. So he gets selected at 30 for the Buffalo Bills. And I'm sitting there, and don't get me wrong, I love Gregory Rousseau. Now I've come around to the pick. Obviously, now he did the an intro for our show, which is still freaking awesome. But we, we picked him, and, you know, originally Adam, my brother, who we will be interviewing for the second half of the show, uh, he loved the pick. He was an optimist. I was in the group chat saying, what the hell are we doing? Asante Samuel Jr. was sitting here, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And then the second round comes around and we get Boogie Basham, pass rusher out of Wake Forest. And I was pissed. I was pissed because originally in my mocks, I had us in the first round getting a, a corner and then in the second round getting Boogie Basham. And then it just turns out, no, we got a edge rusher, and then another edge rusher. And don't get me wrong, again, I've come around to it by now. But, man, I I didn't understand the doubling up on the pass rush. I thought that we could use one elite guy that we could really use, especially since we still have A.J. Epinesa in the wings. Jerry Hughes is still no slouch. And Mario Addison, I thought we were going to cut him, but turns out he's probably going to stay in you know some capacity to help some of these guys and to be completely honest with you doubling up on it I like the depth there now I mean if one of these guys doesn't pan out hopefully one of them does and you basically hit on one of them or if both of them hit then you're absolutely stacked in the pass rush department um my big gripe was in the third round we took Spencer Brown I was like okay a tackle that's fine and then we doubled up on tackle again by taking Tommy Doyle a tackle out of the Miami of Ohio and that is where Brandon Bean lost me when it came to this draft I just did not understand the pick of getting Tommy Doyle a guy who his whole career has never played guard in his life possibly being used of trying to slide him in at guard, kind of like what we did with Cody Ford over at left guard. And I completely didn't understand what this, because people were trying to justify the pick, right? Anything that Brandon Bean does, some people think he's immune to criticism. You can't criticize some of the picks that he's done, and some homers are just really, really adamant that Brandon Bean can do no wrong. And I did not understand the doubling up on the pass or the I understood going on the pass rushers, but on the tackles, I didn't understand until 
later you'll hear in his, my older brother kind of gets me to come around to it. Uh, he's more of an optimist than I am. I kind of look at it and I go, we really needed a guard, which Brandon Bean does address later. Uh, but right after these tackle picks, he's got me lost. And then we trade uh, our second fifth round pick for some sixth round picks. And in the sixth round, we go wild. We get Marquez Stevenson burner out of Houston and that pick is amazing. I did a draft grades video because, yes, I do have a YouTube channel just under my name, Jake Jordan, where I do talk about the Bills in singular videos along with my podcast that I do here. And I gave the Marcus Stevenson pick a A+. I loved picking up Marcus Stevenson because dude's a burner. Being a UCF fan, I have seen Marcus Stevenson in actual play. And Marcus Stevenson will torch you he's basically if you're looking at it and you don't know and you need a comp because you don't look into these draft picks like that use marcus stevenson as kind of your john brown replacement john brown was a speedster now we have a younger speedster who could possibly do some kick returning before he eventually makes it onto the actual roster is maybe a gadget guy when isaiah mckenzie inevitably gets let go and you know, I think that Marquez Stevenson was an A-plus pick. You're going to like him. I promise I, I gave it an A-plus grade, even though I think that trying to grade drafts right after then is kind of asinine because you don't know exactly. You can't grade a draft till about like two or three years afterwards to really say that the draft planned out and actually give legit draft grades. But I think the Marcus Stevenson pick is an A plus just thinking about the future of the Buffalo Bills and what they really need. So definitely like that pick. I love the DeMar Hamlin pick safety out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I like him only because he's going to be a guy who we need depth with, with Dean Marlowe signing with the Detroit Lions. We needed somebody to be back there. And I think he's going to be our new Dean Marlowe replacement and you're going to see DeMar Hamlin. Also, you know, if some things are to be believed that they actually truly do believe in Dane Jackson, it might not hurt to have a safety that played with Dane Jackson in college also playing in that secondary when inevitably one of our safeties that we love so much probably won't be playing with us anymore. So having a guy back there that also could have some chemistry with a guy who will be competing for CB2 would really, really help. Uh, one of the other things that I just didn't get, and it, what kind of pissed me off is that we picked up Rashad Wild Goose also in the sixth round, and I didn't understand that one because I thought it was too little too late at that point. If we were going to get a corner, we should have got one in the early rounds. If we were really, if we really thought that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott thought that CB2 was an issue, then they would have got one in the earlier rounds, but they got Rashad Wild Goose, who people and draft experts are saying that his ceiling is as a special teamer and that he could have a little bit of an upside, but it's not enough to really make an impact in the NFL. We did get some undrafted free agents as well, like Elijah Griffin, son of Warren G. Really awesome. But then our last pick of the draft was Jack Anderson, guard out of Texas Tech. Dude looks like a baby 
Richie Incognito. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the rotation at all if guard if we are just not doing what we need to be doing. Brandon Bean drafted a lot of big boys for this offensive line, and maybe they're going to be able to finally do something. But in all honesty, I think the draft was really, really good in a sense of we've got depth now. Like, ladies and gentlemen, we have depth. We can pretty much... If any of our tackles go down, we have backup tackles. Our guards, I'm sure we will address that. Uh, even though we did just pick up Jack Anderson, we've got guys like Ike Butker and things like that that are still viable backup options sitting there. I think our only you know, concern that we have is if uh, Feliciano goes down and somehow Mitch Morse also goes down, who's going to play our center? Who knows? I know that there's guys on the roster that can, but that is to be seen. And now the last thing that we have to talk about before I go into this awesome interview with my older brother, which I recorded last night, but I'm recording this because, you know, I feel like I need to give you guys my personal takes before we go in and I have this conversation with him. Um, we picked up the fifth year options for Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen. And a lot of people, before we even talk about Tremaine Edmonds, let's talk about the Josh Allen situation. I feel like regardless, we were going to pick up the fifth year options and work them into some kind of extensions anyway, just because it's cheaper that way. But bringing in the fifth year options for that, a lot of people are really on the fence about paying Josh Allen. Now there's a whole lot of bills mafia that are on the side of we need to pay josh allen now because if we don't pay him now he's going to go out do something crazy and we're going to have to pay him way more but then there's also the side which i do fall on of well i need to see another year of josh allen putting up these elite type numbers during a regular season you know where there are fans in the stands and things like that you know we need another evaluation year and I think that's true for both of these guys while we do know I mean Tremaine Edmonds hell he's 23 and he's made two Pro Bowls and yes I'm saying that we still need an evaluation year on Tremaine Edmonds because sometimes and nobody can deny this Tremaine Edmonds looks lost out on the football field you cannot say that there are times where you look at Tremaine Edmonds and don't see that the man is obviously lost out there and it's kind of just going with the flow he's not but don't he also has flashes where he is that pro bowl linebacker who recognizes it and gets at people and it's great so we need these valuation periods for both of these guys because Josh Allen you cannot say that you do not want to get as much evaluation on a quarterback as possible but you will if you do not get that end up in a situation like the Philadelphia Eagles with Carson Wentz or the Rams were with Jared Goff. They had these incredible years, then they got these deals, and then eventually the organization regretted getting these deals to these players. While I think the situations are different between Goff and Wentz, uh, I think Wentz still is a pretty decent quarterback, and you know he got paid because, hell, that year he was having before they went to the Super Bowl, the the Eagles, he was looking like a mad um, a man possessed. He was really, really good. And Jared Goff is kind of just a product of his system. And they got those deals, and now both of those guys do not play on those teams anymore. So if we can get one more year of Josh Allen evaluation, then hell, you cannot tell me that that would not be a good thing. And even if Josh Allen decides he wants to go out there and just light up the league again, 
win a Super Bowl or God forbid, take us to a Super Bowl, win a league MVP, the dude deserves the money. I don't think, and I bring this up later in the interview, um, I don't think that Josh Allen is going to completely bend the franchise over when it comes to him getting paid. Obviously, I believe he's going to know that without weapons, he will not succeed. So he is not going to absolutely hold the organization ransom, but he will get his money. And whatever he does during this evaluation period, he deserves to get his money no matter what. And, you know, I'm just saying that we need this evaluation period. I think Josh Allen is going to be here to stay regardless. But even if next year he takes a slight step back, you know, that can affect the contract in a way that, you know, you have to bring that up. So if he gets even better, then that affects it in a positive way for him and so on and so forth. And talking about Tremaine Edmonds, I already said it. The dude made two Pro Bowls, and he's only 23. Some of our draft picks this year are older than Tremaine Edmonds, and Tremaine Edmonds already has two Pro Bowls. So we really need to see him because basically what we're all saying and a lot of people that are saying that you know he kind of fell off a little bit this year, it's because of the injury. He was hurt. He wasn't as aggressive out there. Towards the end of the year, he started getting more aggressive, and I believe now that he'll be fully, fully healed, he will come back about the same player and probably make another Pro Bowl next year. So I really think that picking up the fifth-year options was really important for them. I think that... This draft was really good at building depth, and I think that we're still a contender. And now, hopefully, our pass rush has been upgraded, and our offensive line and maybe our run game will finally be able to do something. There's a lot of good things that have happened, and I'm happy that you guys are sticking with me throughout this offseason and listening to this show, The Lowdown with Jake Jordan. And to be completely honest with you guys, like that's all I have to say about the first half of the show we are going to get into the second half where i am interviewing my brother adam and it's a really awesome time i love talking to my brother all the time he's very knowledgeable and is just like me he could have his own podcast if he really wanted to so make sure to stay tuned for the second half of the coolest show in bill's mafia outside of western new york after this spicy take from a built-in buffalo contributor i have been jake this is the lowdown i will see you guys in the second half we get past about like the 20 pick range and JOK is still there. Jeremiah Owosu Karamoa. And I don't know how many times I tweeted that night. All right, JOK is still there. JOK is still there. We're, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. We're going to get him. And we get to pick 30 and we take Rousseau. And this is why I wasn't too jacked up at first. I was like, fuck. We completely blew it on JOK. Uh, because he's a he's a special type of defender, you know? He... He's, he can play that Buffalo nickel. He can play really any spot in the defense, and he can be successful, and he can make a difference. And he's extremely NFL-ready. I think he would make an impact ASAP. Um, but we pass on him. And then I get thinking, why do we pass on him? And the only thing I can really think of is there's got to be something we don't know. Something we don't know about JOK, whether it is a character thing, whether it is a physical thing that's going on with him um, or the Bills just don't think that he fits the system.
Welcome, everybody, back to the coolest show in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake, and this is The Lowdown. And this is the segment of the show where I bring on anybody to do an interview. In the first week, we had my little brother. The second week, we had Brother Bill. And this week, we have my older brother. I'm sensing a trend here. Maybe, uh, maybe the week after next, I'll have Dad on. But introducing my older brother, Adam, Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's, uh, you know, about 11 o'clock at night, so I'm just chilling. Yeah, chilling. Like, it's about the only time you can chill, right? Yeah, pretty much. The hours of, uh, like, 11 p.m. to 2 in the morning are, are my hours. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's your you time, man. That's your you time. Pretty much. That's when I go so, start reading articles. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is so this is probably the first time if anybody is listening to this for the first time, they probably do not know who you are. Like you were on a podcast when I was over on Buffalo Fanatics, but you have never been like I think I've mentioned you possibly on the first podcast when I was talking to Bryce, but legitimately I, nobody knows who you are, so introduce yourself, my guy. All right, all right. Well, I am Jake's older brother. I am a diehard Bills fan, a uh, member of the Bills Mafia. We've been uh, indoctrinating Jake since he could open his eyes. Um. <laughs> yeah, and now I talk about them every single week on a podcast. That is, uh, that, that is all we do. <laughs> The, I mean, seriously, that's one of the reasons why I started the show, man, because I was like, I sit here and one of the reasons, and this might be a spoiler for next week, but I'm trying to get this guy, Dan Mitchell on. He's a YouTuber. So the reason yeah. I started, I made YouTube videos and I started because Bryce came up to me one day and he's like, you know, you kind of look like Dan Mitchell. I'm like, who the <laughs> hell is that? Like, I had no idea about Bill's Mafia, like YouTube and Twitter and all that shit. Yeah. And he goes, no, just look him up. And I was like, yeah, whatever. So I never looked him up. And then eventually I, like, stumbled upon one of his videos. And then Bryce goes, yeah, that's the guy. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I can do that. So I started making <laughs> some YouTube videos. And uh, it kind of spiraled from there to where I got reached out to. And now I got a podcast and I do YouTube videos. So, you know, I would like to say that everybody has kind of just cultivated in me being a diehard Bills fan. And a lot of that has to do with you and dad. And that's one of the things that I wanted to get into in some of these first questions that I got, because I'm sure I probably know the answers to these because I know you, but (laughs) what are, what are some of your favorite Bills memories? Like you just like, maybe it was whenever you became a Bills fan, or maybe it's even just recently because the Bills sucked for all those years. Like, (laughs) dude, what are some of your, like, favorite memories? One of my favorite memories. Um, Well, we've been so terrible for so long. There's a lot of sadness. Um, (laughs) I remember watching... I can feel it. So, I've got memories probably back to about four years old is, is really when I start to form a lot of memories. And I remember okay. watching games with dad and it was like, 
and, and I go back and I look at pictures and it's funny because there's a picture from the hospital. He put a Bill's pennant in my little like <laughs> my little bed at, at, at the hospital. And, I'm surprised uh, there wasn't a Labatt next to you either. <laughs> and then uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I saw that picture somewhere. But yeah, the, 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 he, he started from day one and I've seen pictures of you know when he was watching the Super Bowls, the the four year run, and uh, he had me, you know, sitting right there with him. I don't remember it, but uh, yeah. So I'd say some of my, some of my favorite memories uh, are are the more recent years. The the moment that uh, Andy Dalton sent us to the playoffs. Oh man, I was at a oh. I, I was at a bar with Paige and Scott and his wife mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, Scott and I were were in tears, just jumping up and down, crying. Dude, <laughs> like, dude, that's that's funny because when me and Bryce, or I believe it was also me and Brother Bill, we were talking about it. Like every single time people talk about what one of their favorite Bills memories are, that comes up. Like when the drought ended, that is like everybody seems. That's like stamped on every single person in bill's mafia they were like yeah i cried when the drought broke oh yeah and for somebody like me who's 30 so yeah i was a little little baby when they had the four-year run and then the only other memory i have of them being in the playoffs prior to that was the music city miracle so oh jesus that moment of going to the playoffs, ending that streak, it was just like so many years of, of just waiting and waiting. It was just so many Dude, tears of joy. <laughs> that was that was such an awesome time because I remember I had like just turned 18, right? When mm-hmm. that happened. And I was like... Yeah, I was, we were joking you, you, that you broke the curse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was the reason that the Music City Miracle happened. And finally, when I became an adult, <laughs> when I became an adult, the Bills were finally able to be good again. The curse was lifted. <laughs> the curse was well, lifted. I was literally joking with with Paige earlier today that uh, that when when uh, my son was born. It was the night we announced him to, not when he was born, the night we announced him to all our friends uh, was the, the night of the draft. Uh, oh. When we drafted Josh Allen. <laughs> okay, so that's funny because I can't remember if it was a Built in Buffalo podcast or maybe it was one of my last Buffalo Fanatics podcast. I brought up the fact that I was pretty much viewed as a bad luck charm, but then I said, but I think my nephew is the good luck charm because ever he since is. he's been born ever, ever since. So basically I had to go through all this shit. So Brayden could be <laughs> like the, and that's the name, that's the name of my nephew. I guess we didn't put that out there, but Brayden could be the saving grace for Bill's mafia. And <laughs> dude, that was okay. So I remember when that happened and we can talk about this too. Uh, when that happened, I was in my dorm room not doing my homework like I should have been doing, probably failing that semester. But <laughs> I decided that I, I had just met Bree at that point, right? So mm-hmm. she had no idea how crazy this was. And honestly, you know, I probably had no right to do this because 
you know, I only became a fan in like 2014. So mm -hmm. I didn't have to go through everything. I mean, I went <laughs> through Rex Ryan and I pretty much got told by dad how bad they were my whole life. But yeah. like I jumped up when that happened out of my bed. Bree, had, uh, I swear, Bree had only known me for like a month or a month and a half. <laughs> and she just saw me like crying on the floor <laughs> when it happened because I was so happy. And I think that's Dude. when she kind of realized, oh, my God, like, what is this? Like, they, they don't understand how crazy it is. No, they don't understand that. Well, here's the thing. When I met Paige, she was not – she didn't watch football. Like, she didn't know football. Yeah. She didn't watch football. When when the that moment happened, I mean, obviously, we've been together forever. So yeah. By the time they made the playoffs that night, <laughs> when when that moment happened, oh my god, she was in tears. She was so stressed out. Oh right my god, Scott and I like I've I've ruined her. <laughs> I've brought yeah, her, I, I brought her right in along with it, <laughs> and now she's hey, like die hard. That's awesome though, <laughs> because like and I she, and she told me she's like you know I never used to get it until we went to a game up in Buffalo and I was around all those other fans and, you know, your uncle and your aunt yeah. and just, she's like, I started to get it. <laughs> she's like, yeah. it's like a family. It's like, you, you, you can't explain it to people. You just, you feel this connection to the team and the people. And yeah, that's, that's kind of my problem too with Bree, right? Like I, I try to get her to watch the games, but she doesn't, absolutely get it but i'm going to get her to a game up in buffalo and you'll probably be with me at that point <laughs> whenever we go up there oh, and <laughs> yeah like i've i've already told uncle drew that whenever we're able to i want to try to plan somehow how to get up there but you know with the good memories adam come the bad <laughs> and i we we knew you already hit it off with this one and said well, you know, there is a ton of crap, but there are good things. You, What are some of the worst memories that you have as a Bills fan? Uh, oh, by far, the Music City Miracle was the worst. But that, that yeah. was just... I, I, I remember I was eight years old, <laughs> and I was sitting there, and I was watching the game, and I remember just being absolutely furious like I, <laughs> I threw the remote i was throwing a straight up toddler tantrum and my mom was just like so mad oh my god at how i was acting and i was just so upset <laughs> and that's uh, that's nuts and i mean i was only eight and i loved him that much already <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy because i can't I obviously I don't remember all of that. By the time I was probably able to consciously remember anything about football, uh, the Bills have been sucking for so long. Dad didn't even watch the games, partially yeah, because partially because we lived in Tennessee, so we didn't really get any of the games. But yeah, that was he had he had, uh, he had turned himself off for a little while there. <laughs> Yeah, I I know because that's uh that's one of the things that I always bring up when, you know, I it I'm not ashamed that I became a fan like during the 
the Rex Ryan years. Obviously, that's we had moved we had moved down to Florida. Boy, did you you pick a bad time? (laughs) Yeah, dude. So we had just moved back down to Florida, right? And we moved over to Clewiston. So we got the Miami games. Oh god. So so we were able to watch the Bills twice a year. Those were the two games I was able to watch. And eventually I, I don't know what made it flip the switch for me. But, you know, me and dad were never that we weren't like super close, tight knit uh, before that. I mean, we talked about the magic because I loved basketball, but I I don't know what flipped the switch in 2014. But I just said, hey, I'm going to watch a Bills Dolphins game with dad. And I watched it. And then I don't know what clicked in it, but something just immediately made me like, dude, I'm going to watch every single game this season. And I ended up like live streaming them on my computer and we me and dad would make like a day out of it where he'd like come in my room with the computer and i would get the bills game on so we could watch it so like i i don't oh shoot i have a lizard in my room right now interesting because i'm killing yeah. the spider as we speak <laughs> oh really i yeah. literally just looked up at my ceiling and i see like a little lizard sitting up there anyway getting back to it Worst memory. So yeah, your worst memory is the Music City Miracle. Um, oh, by far. <laughs> I, I, I never, I haven't witnessed God. I would have to say probably some of my worst memories already were like when we lost to Houston in the playoffs, or yeah, maybe, too. maybe when we, uh, we took the when we after that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. I, I think. Bree, I I don't quite remember it, but Bree says I was sitting in the uh, the shower crying after that. Uh, I will neither confirm nor deny that, but uh, I, I would have I to say I cried a little bit after that one too, <laughs> dude. Some of the worst memories that I've had, uh, it has to be like I had, one of my best memories is when we made the playoffs, but that playoff game is probably. Just like I had one of the oh, best memories the going to the yeah, like I had oh. one of the best memories going to the Harry Buffalo with you for the first time and stuff in downtown Orlando and being around other Bills fans. That was awesome, but that game was, was just awful. was awful. Like that has to be one of the worst playoff games that I have ever seen. Yeah, and that that game was awful. Literally. I just remember the whole game. It just felt like our offense was stagnant, but our defense was just stopping the Jaguars from doing anything because then they went out the next week and absolutely boat raced the Steelers. So <laughs> like our defense was always good, but the what the icing on the cake for that game was when Tyron Taylor goes down after a big hit, right? Yeah. And and we're like, oh god, Tyrod went out with a concussion. But old Nate Peterman starts running into <laughs> the game, and we're like, Nate Peterman is about to win us this game. We're gonna drive down the field. God, we only needed a touchdown to win the damn game. <laughs> so we were like, Nate Peterman's about to do it, and then Nate Peterman decided to throw a pick to end the game. So that was one of the worst things that. I can remember God, even the hail Murray this year is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. Dude, um, let me tell you that hail Murray had me so angry only because I literally that the rocket launch was that night. 
Yeah. So there was 30 seconds left. We went down, scored that touchdown. I was on cloud nine. I Dude, was, I, was, I was celebrating. I was, I was screaming. So I ran outside I've... to go catch this rocket launch with with, mm-hmm. with the boy and the wife. And uh, I'm standing there watching the rocket launch. And my neighbor across the street, she was she's a Bills fan. And uh, yeah. her husband comes walking out. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I was like, for what? <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God. You don't see so him watch it? No, he goes. You don't know. I was like, no, no, oh and no. And I, I pull out my phone and I see, I think it was thirty two, thirty one. Oh uh, Jesus! It said Cardinals win, and I was like, you got to be kidding me! I looked at Pedro like, like this what the hell happened? I was like, this has got to be wrong. How did what? <laughs> there's no there was way. like there was like five <laughs> seconds left. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. So then I went running in the house and I turned on the TV and I just see. Over and over the Hail Murray the damn play, and I was like, "No, that did That's... not just happen." <laughs> okay, and I was just devastated because the rest of the week at work, everybody's coming up to me. Oh, I'm so sorry about that play. I'm like, "Go away, <laughs> get away from me, get away from me." I, I couldn't watch ESPN for like two weeks, <laughs> dude. Well, it didn't even God the Hail Murray. Even though we won every single game after that. Right, yeah. it followed us every single game. Oh yeah, they kept really? talking about the Hail Murray, <laughs> and I just I, even going into the playoffs, they were like, they were like, hey, you know, the Bills are really good, but check out the Hail Murray again. It's like, no, <laughs> let's let's not do that, man. They do that to and us all the time, though. It's it's ridiculous, and I can I can go on. And 0. We could go yeah. sixteen and zero, and they would be like. Oh, but uh, yeah, they played a cupcake schedule. <laughs> Seven, seventeen matter. and zero now, boy. Seventeen right. and zero. We can go seventeen and zero, and they'd be like, "Yeah, they're really not that good." We're gonna go sixteen and zero with Josh Allen, and then in week seventeen, when we're playing the Washington football team and we're resting our starters, Mitch Trubisky gonna go in there light them up. So we're gonna go seventeen and zero this year. But no, I could sit here forever and talk about how bad the media is, right? But one question that I asked Brother Bill last week, and I'm going to ask you, Bill's Mafia, you alluded to it with Paige going to her first game, realizing it's like a family, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing that the Bills have taught us is that, you know, you need to learn to live through the pain. And Mm -hmm. I, this question that I have is just how have the Bills affected you as you've progressed as a man? Like, how have the Bills altered your life to the point to where it's it's like all right i am who i am because the bills taught me this yeah that's a tough question yeah i know i didn't give you the questions beforehand but i'd say uh that's that's a a good question um I, i i'd say first of all if if you are a true die hard bills fan like myself then there's no way they couldn't have shaped your life in some way. Um, I'd say that they've taught me to be uh, an optimist, which if you, Mm. if you know, I mean, obviously you're my brother, you know me. I'm a pretty optimistic, positive positive guy in general. And it, it, it doesn't matter. I'll always find the, the glimmer of hope 
or I, the that that wish upon a star moment because I, they've taught I know. me to look for that in everything. I, it's like I, I don't know. know who this guy is, but he's gonna be the guy. <laughs> I saw it on uh, I saw it on draft night when we were texting each other. <laughs> You, I, I saw that, and you could tell how probably visibly upset I was in the group chat. And you're like, hey, but look on the bright side. Look at this. Look at this. And I'm just like, dude, I don't even want to talk about that right now. <laughs> like, that was – you're sometimes it's, you get optimistic to the point where I'm like, bro, come on. <laughs> it's years and years and years of trying to find the – the, the silver lining hope <laughs> yeah to cling on to <laughs> see and, and and i guess i don't have that right because you've you you lived through all those years and i guess maybe that's a good thing for me because i look at it objectively like i've seen this team have success so i can tell what i think are good decisions and what maybe were bad decisions like last year like benching quentin spain for moving Cody Ford to left guard and then putting him as third on the depth chart between behind Ike Butker and Cody Ford, that was a bad decision. I think that's a bad decision because then what happened? Cody Ford went down and then we had to play Brian Winters all over the line. And we didn't have that depth of having Quentin Spain who didn't give up a sack the year before. I think that's a bad decision, but there's also decisions like trading guys like Lee Smith who are about to retire for a conditional like fifth round pick. So, you know, I sit here and I see them have success and, you know, now I'm like, all right, now how do we sustain the success back then? You guys were just like, well, we sucked last year. How can we be better? There's gotta be, we cannot be worse than last year. So I, that's where we differ. The the thing is too though, I'll, I'll say that that it's it's nice to see what I grew up being kind of taught by being around other Bills fans and Bills mafia in general because you know we've alluded to it several times being like a family. Yeah. It's nice to finally have the team have that same culture. And yeah. that's why I think it's so special right now because it's not just the fans, it's the whole team. And the team is connecting with the fans because they have that culture. And I just think that it's a really special time in Buffalo. Yeah, and and I feel like the team and the fans have always been connected, right? The players know when they play in Buffalo. Like there's players that go on to play in other places and say some of my favorite places to play it was in Buffalo because of the fans, but I feel like the front office never really understood and had a connection with the fans. Like one of my favorite things is Ryan Fitzpatrick saying that, you know, his favorite place that he ever played was in Buffalo and it's because of the fans and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has played in a ton of places. (laughs) So like he's his opinion matters on that front (laughs) yeah exactly he he knows and his favorite place to play was in buffalo and you know the fans and speaking of the fans and how they react and how they integrate with the team we've talked about it the heartbreak that we've had but now with you being an optimist and thinking towards the future what could 
what would you do? And I know we've had this conversation, but of course we've never had it on air. <laughs> what would you do if the Bills won the Super Bowl? Oh my lord! <laughs> uh, like if nobody can see this, right? But I'm I'm staring at your profile picture, and I just see a giant buffalo about to fly through a table, and I just already know table sales throughout <laughs> all of Western New York. If that were to happen, they might have to ban tables. If we made the Super Bowl, not even won the win Super it. Bowl. If we made yeah. if we made it there. Every table in the country would probably be sold out. <laughs> Dude, even here at Sam's Club down in Florida, they'd probably be they, sold out. They, they'd be gone. They'd be gone. Here in Orlando, the hairy buffalo would wipe them out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've, got enough bomb, we've got enough mafia here. <laughs> they would move all the wooden tables and just have table just like nothing but folding folding tables, tables. In the entire bar <laughs> exactly people would be jumping from the second floor balcony onto the table it would be nice. yeah and and if nobody knows this so we live in the central florida area uh the main bills bar to really go to here like a bills backers international bar is the harry buffalo in downtown orlando this place is electric when the bills oh play there it gets awesome in there and they have a lot of people going there like your daryl tallies go there your aaron williams you know former players go there all the time they're always booking people to come and gabe davis you know is gonna be there this weekend yeah and gabe, well gabe davis is from this area too so when when i hear gabe davis is gonna be in the area i'm like oh okay yeah he's just he's just coming back around uh and i don't know if you saw the other day uh mackenzie milton was throwing passes to Gabe Davis while he was oh, training. And I'm just like, it makes me sad because I have no idea what our team's about to turn into with UCF. But yeah, for people who didn't know, the Harry Buffalo is one of like that. Honestly, I've been to a few Bills bars around Florida. The Harry Buffalo is still one of the most electric ones that I've ever been to. I would, I would, I see. Here's what I think would happen if we were to make the Super Bowl they would shut down church street out in front of Harry Buffalo and uh, they would, they would throw a block party because they, they wouldn't be able to fit us all in that building. Um, yeah. <laughs> they should let I us would, all park down there and tailgate. Yeah. I would, if, if I couldn't get too near the Super Bowl, I would probably downtown at a Harry Buffalo. And yeah. if they won the Super Bowl, uh, I hope they're ready because <laughs> yeah, downtown, downtown Orlando, Orlando is about to be burned down. Pretty much, <laughs> it, it would be. I, I would. I would probably lose my mind. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I, <laughs> I like, would be uh, crying and laughing and, and running, screaming. Dude, <laughs> so I was. I was talking to Brother Bill last week, who's a guy on Twitter. I I don't know. You're not as big into Buffalo Bills Twitter, but. Uh, He's a big name in Bill's Mafia Twitter, and he lives in Rochester. So he said, dude, I wouldn't even know how to feel. He was like, like, I would just have to be there. I'd have to call out of work for like the next two weeks because I'm about to be on the biggest bender ever. You and I talked about it. You and I would... You you, you, me, I got to be up there for the... I got to be up there for the parade. We would jump straight in the car and just start driving. <laughs> like we would be, 
we would be driving to yeah. New York to to get to Buffalo. Not like, even not even gonna try to get a flight there because like, that's just, just gonna be way too expensive. We would, we would just we would just drive through the night and and drive straight there and just like exactly. It, it, We'd be in Buffalo on a just ready to party. <laughs> just call Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew, we're on our way. Like Uncle Drew, get no questions about ready. it. We're we're on our way now. We're, we're gonna be <laughs> get there, there. For, for a little while. Go go put some sleeping bags down in the basement. We're we're gonna be camping out for a few weeks. I, I'd be I'd be calling calling my boss. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be out for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna like in in all honesty though, like I would have to be there for that Super Bowl parade. Like oh, yeah, I wouldn't miss it I, for, for that be the like even I, I even just I, I know like when you think about it, you're like, oh man, I'd be so awestruck. And that's the coolest thing, right? Is because we're in this window where we actually we're actually able to say that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders. I never like, thought I'd see the day. <laughs> like even me becoming a fan in 2014, which was now seven years ago, as I looked down at the uh, calendar and realized how old I'm getting, and I'm not even going to speak on your behalf. But <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, man, I've been a Bills fan for seven years. You're like, I've been a Bills fan for like. 22 years so i've been a bills fan for like 29 and yeah <laughs> nine ever months. since you came out the wombs I no my eyes. and it's I crazy the shout song playing in the hospital <laughs> oh my god well back then they didn't have smartphones man you're that damn old they couldn't just be playing the shout so uh, maybe he had a sony walkman with him they didn't even have the internet when i was born <laughs> <laughs> no aol online for you no aim messenger <laughs> Dude, that Man. was the thing when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You're a MySpace guy too. I know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So so uh what what was your uh what was your song lyrics that you had in your bio? Oh, I don't even know. I probably didn't even figure out how to do that, honestly. I was too lazy like, for all that stuff. You didn't have Lincoln Park in there, like most Bro, people. No, no, I did not. I uh okay. I, I knew how to set my uh my top friends. That was about it. <laughs> And then once you got together with Paige, you were like, she's going to be my top friend. Pretty much. She just did everything for she, she does all that stuff for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to talking about we're in this bubble, right, of saying that we're Super Bowl contenders, with this comes the doubters, my friend. And we were talking about this before we hopped on. We were talking about Kyle Brandt coming out and saying the most outlandish things like saying, Zach Wilson was going to lead the Jets to win the AFC East into the playoffs or when they went out and signed all when New England went out and signed all these free agents he said oh New England's unstoppable but <laughs> Buffalo is still the team to beat and I know everybody's like oh they've gone from the hunter to the hunted I don't think they view it that way man like I've I've seen multiple interviews of them come out and say hey like we the first thing you got to do is win your division you win your division, then you go on. Like, of course, they know they're good enough to win the division. That is something that obviously they're not sitting there forgetting about that. But how do you think the Bills are going to translate from being the hunt, the hunter to the hunted? Like, what do you think about that argument? I think it's going to be a tough mindset shift for them because. I mean, 
you've played competitive sports. I've played oh, yeah. competitive sports. You know that when you go into a game and you think we're better than this team, we should we should mop the floor with this team. That team always surprises you. Yeah, gives you a tough game. You may still win in the end a lot of the time, mm. but they usually sneak up on you and they make it really tough on you. Yeah, because you you go in there thinking I've got this, and they come in and they just work that much harder than you. We've been that team for the as long as I can remember. We mm-hmm. we were the team coming in there expected to just get rolled on, and we've been the underdogs and we come in and we fight and we play the the dirty you know slow the game down grind yeah. it out defense you know and now we finally have this high-powered offense we can hang with teams and score we've got a solid defense and we're getting pieces back again this year and we're going to be healthy so we Mm -hmm. can stop people we can shut people down it's that it's going to be up to mcdermott to keep them kind of grounded to say you know listen you guys should win you guys deserve to be here you guys have proved you deserve to be here but you still have to put in the work because this is the National Football League. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with you on that because my thing about that is it's all based on your culture, right? Everything that you have built. If you went like the Patriots go on to win a Super Bowl, right? They still mm-hmm. have the mantra, do your job. Bill Belichick mm-hmm. didn't say, hey, we won a Super Bowl. Now we can all celebrate kind of like the Rams did with the greatest show on turf. They won a Super Bowl, and what happened? They didn't become a dynasty. So the thing is, I think it all has to do with your mindset. And I think McDermott is that one where he's going to come in and be like, yeah, you guys won it last year, right? You won the division. That's great. We didn't get to where we wanted to. It's still technically, I think, while you have to learn to deal with having the success, you also need to learn, hey, you know, there's bigger and better things still. We still have a chip on our shoulder because of how we went out last year. So yeah. I think a lot of the guys are still going into this season like we're still the underdogs. And, you know, even if we won the division, you know, they're still going to have that mindset of nothing's given to you, man. You got to go out and work for it. And I guess that's what you've said when a team sneaks up on you, you know, yeah, you can have confidence. There's nothing wrong with having confidence, but you also need to not let that... Like, there's a difference between conf- having confidence in your abilities and being cocky. If you're being yeah. cocky, you're going to get slapped. Like you said, yeah. that team comes in who they've got that underdog mentality. If you're being cocky and think you're the hot shit, you're going to get slapped. Like, that's the thing. But if you're confident in yourself and you have that confidence about your abilities but you still know, hey, the end goal is we need to win this game, and the next week we need to win that game and that game, which I think is the mindset that they have in Buffalo right now. I don't think that, oh, how are they going to transition from being the hunter to the hunted? I don't think it's going to matter because I still feel like they're going to have that chip on their shoulder of being the hunter because they they know that, hey, you know, we got to win our division, but then after that we're going after Kansas City or we're going after Cleveland now. Like there's they they know like once you get and win your division in the playoffs, 
you know, their goal is going to be, hey, let's get into those playoffs. So I don't I don't think they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're hot shit. So yeah, I kind of think, think... Dermot has full control of the, the locker room and, and mm-hmm. Josh and, and you know, Jermaine and guys like that. They've got the guys, you know, being level-headed. And I, I, we've got the right culture for it. We're not going to... Yeah. I don't think they're going to let get big heads or anything like that because, quite frankly, we haven't won anything yet. No. <laughs> we, 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 we haven't won the AFC Championship. We haven't won a Super Bowl. We haven't... We won our we division. Okay. Yeah, like, like we we got to get in there. I mean, you know who else won their division last year? Somebody had to win the NFC East. Like, come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so but winning your division doesn't mean you're anything. I mean, we need yeah. to go out there and we need to prove to the world. We I, I saw an article right before we got on here. It was talking about, uh, I guess, I didn't see who it was, but somebody, it's one of the big analysts apparently was talking about Buffalo saying that we we've closed the gap on Kansas City, and mm-hmm. you know where'd they get that from? Do I feel that <laughs> way? Yes and no, but till we go out there and prove it, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> I think I think our offense is up to up to snuff with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that that's asinine to put out there into the universe that our offense is literally on the same level as the Kansas city chiefs. And if I'm actually correct, I believe our offense was a higher scoring offense than the Kansas city chiefs. And we were only one point behind the green Bay Packers for being the most scoring offense in the league in terms of points. So, So I believe that it's on the table to say, yeah, we are on par with the Kansas City Chiefs when it comes to the firepower of our offense. Our defense, however, and we're going to get into this with the draft because obviously we haven't done much on defense when it comes to free agency. Uh, Obviously, we have picked up some pieces like we got F.A. Obata and things like that, but we haven't done anything that is going to absolutely like, oh, yeah, they're about to crush the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't think we're done. Obviously, Brandon Bean came out today. Uh, as of recording this, this is Wednesday, by the way. I don't know if we even mentioned that. Uh, this comes out on Friday, but today Brandon Bean came out and said, "Look, I'm not like I'm a shopper right now, but I'm I'm a bar I'm shopping for bargains, man. I got a budget, so yeah. he he knows. I think he's out there trying. Man, I just want Richard Sherman, but you know that's just a pipe dream. I think for me, I wanted Casey Hayward too, but he signed with the Raiders. Uh, but one one of the things, and we'll get into that one. So we we've got a couple more topics left, but the first one is uh, AFC East opponent talk. So obviously, I want to get your thoughts on you know the drafts for our AFC East opponents. I wanted to kind of take the hunter and hunted things because they're saying now we're being hunted by the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots now. Uh, and it's no question to say that all three of those teams got better this off season. Oh yeah. So. Let's let's take it one by one. Uh, we'll start from what the bottom of the division was last year. The New York Jets, dude. What do you think about their draft? Because I honestly loved their draft. I I thought they did a fantastic job of adding what they needed um, mm-hmm. to start putting that franchise back in the right direction. I personally think Zach Wilson is 
Darnold 2.0. I think it's going to be a huge bust. I think he doesn't get them where they need to be. I'm on the same page with you. I think that was a waste of a draft pick. I think they should have taken fields, honestly. That should... I was pounding the table in my week one right before the draft, that week one podcast, where I said, what the hell happened to Justin Fields? Why was he falling so bad? What was going on? Make the whole NFL regret that. That was just absolutely awful. I'm so happy for the Chicago Bears. Like, oh yeah, I'm glad that they had the the moon. (laughs) I'm glad that they had the balls to move up and get Justin Fields and not let the Patriots move up and get him. That was great. I was literally shaking in my boots. I I thought the Patriots were just gonna luck into Fields falling all the way to them, and I was. I was getting angry. I was texting yeah. you that. I was texting you going, oh my yeah. God, they're going to get fields. They're going to get I fields. Was, <laughs> so I was basically ahead of all of the draft picks, right? I think I told you that in the chat. Uh, yeah. I was based, So I basically knew what was happening before it even went on TV. And we were, <laughs> we're just sitting there and I'm like, all right. So they take Zach Wilson and we'll, we'll wrap this around when we talk about the Patriots. Um, I saw them take Zach Wilson and I go, all right, I don't understand the pick. I don't know why Zach Wilson became their guy, but for whatever reason it did. So then, you know, I believe that they had the 23rd pick in the draft because they had the Seahawks uh, first round pick. And all of a sudden there's a little ticker that says there's been a trade. The, the New York jets have traded up and I'm like, Oh, okay. Who'd they trade up to get? Hopefully it's a guard. And you know who they took? They took a guard, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I liked the pick, right? I thought that, you know, maybe they moved up a little bit too far to get him. Obviously, he was really good, but there were other guys like Rashawn Slater from Northwestern who was also going to be there. So I'm like, all right, what did they give up to trade up in the draft, right? Well, they gave up their first round, their second first round pick. And their two third round picks that they had. And I felt that that was way too much to try to trade up because I I understand they want to build that line to protect Zach Wilson and do basically what they didn't do for Sam Darnold, uh, which they also did in drafting wide receivers as well. So, you know, I, I like what the draft, what the Jets did. I think they were aggressive. I think they definitely went over the positions that they needed. I think they're still in play for Richard Sherman at cornerback, which they really, really need. Uh, they're going to get some opt-outs back like C.J. Mosley. And, you know, I think that their team is going to be better, obviously, than they were last year. How can you be worse than that? Um, <laughs> but... I, I I want a final record prediction. What do you think the Jets win next year? Maybe six games. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page with you there. I think it's about five or six games. I think Zach Wilson is still, I think he's going to have a little bit of trouble adjusting to the NFL for a little bit. Hopefully they're able to do something with him with uh, their offensive coordinator, who obviously comes from the, uh, the Shanahan tree of coaching. So maybe they'll be able to do something with him. I think they would have been better suited with Justin Fields, but talking about, you know, a team who also has quarterback questions, which could be either of our other opponents, but uh, to a, 
Tonga Vailoa in the Dolphins. What did you think about the Dolphins draft? Because I think that they got better, but I don't know if I like their their second first round pick. I liked the Jalen Waddle pick. Um, I think that Tua needed another weapon aside from Devontae Parker, but I don't know if I liked the Jalen Phillips pick. And I think we talked about this last night while we were playing Call of Duty. But like what what do you think just focusing on their first round picks right what what do you think that does for them in terms of making them better to compete for the division next year so i've got two thoughts on waddle one okay i thought i thought the same thing about waddle as i did about rugs last year when rugs mm-hmm. went to the raiders i loved rugs at alabama the dude can fly he's he he both of them are they've got track speed but they can actually play football. They they've got yeah. hands. They can they're receivers. They can run routes. But mm-hmm. the Raiders didn't use rugs right. And no, he had didn't. a terrible rookie year. My concern with taking Waddle there, one is are they gonna use him right? Probably not, because Tua doesn't like to throw the ball deep. Tua likes to throw short, quick passes, so they're gonna want to Yeah, the intermediate pass. They're going to want to probably stick them in the slot and try to use them there. So I'm concerned they're not going to use them right. And then the second issue I have with that is I feel like the only reason that they took Jalen Waddle there and not Devontae Smith is because Devontae Smith literally came out halfway through the season saying he thought Mac Jones was better than Tua and would rather play with Mac Jones. So yeah, I, I, I think that played into Miami not touching him. Yeah, that's I I didn't even think about that. I'm glad that you brought that up because I thought maybe Jalen Waddle also said that. Maybe because I felt like they asked multiple Alabama receivers. If I recall, Waddle agreed with it. So Yeah, I, I'm not positive I think because on they that, but I'm pretty sure they asked them both. Okay. So yeah, we're we're not saying that this is a hundred percent true, but I, I think I vaguely remember them asking multiple ones because they were like, hey, we asked your buddy Devonta Smith what he thought. How do you feel about it? And I think Jalen Waddle also said he preferred Mac Jones, but I really hated that they put those receivers in that situation to begin with because yeah. obviously those guys aren't going to be like, yeah, we like Tua more than Mac when Mac Jones was coming out in the draft that year. So yeah. Like that's that's a horrible place to put them in. But what do you think about their second pick, Jalen Phillips, defensive end out of University of Miami? So I was just reading about him actually, uh, and um, earlier today, and he I read the article that basically when he left UCLA because of medical issues, mm-hmm. he that's the story that I had heard, but. What this article was saying is he quit the UCLA program to go pursue a full-time music career. And then he ended up transferring to Miami to pursue a music degree and then sat out a year and joined the football program, played one season, and now he's getting drafted in the first round. My concern there is that he's got health issues. Mm -hmm. He's got 
with the multiple uh, concussions. You're referencing the multiple concussions that he had, as well as some lower body injuries. Yeah, because I think the article was saying he got in like a an accident of some sort. And, yeah, um, stuff like that. I just I'm concerned that you've got a guy who's got uh, uh, he had to basically retire from health issues. He's got this music career that he's pursuing and he really only played one he, he only put up one big season which was this year to get to get drafted so my concern mm-hmm. is that you know he's going to come in for them and be a one hit wonder <laughs> he's going to be he had a good season or he's going to get injured at, you know in his rookie year and then he's done or you know I, it doesn't seem like I wouldn't too much of a risk there maybe at the yeah. end of the first round or early in the second round so that so. was that was my thing and i think i told you that either i, th- I thought it was a little bit of a risk taking Jalen phillips obviously you're willing to take it because you can't sugarcoat it the dude was a really good edge rusher and pass, pass rusher in general for them uh, but I just really think you're taking a risk for a guy who basically did have to medically retire because of the amount of concussions that he had. Uh, but you bringing up the music thing, I had never even heard that. Now that kind of makes me question his loyalty to the game of football and what were to happen if he's really trying to pursue this music career. Obviously, that doesn't mean he can't play football at the no, same time. People, Cole Beasley does it. Plenty of people have yeah. side interests. My, my thing is... The fact that he quit the program to go pursue it once, does that mean yeah. he'll do it again? <laughs> yeah. It's, if the if going gets rough or he doesn't get, you know, if, if he gets out to a rocky start or he's got some injury mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that, it, it seems like he might be quick to be like, yeah, let's just call it a day. I'm going to retire. <laughs> yeah. And the I'm Dolphins already had a career. The Dolphins already had a uh, pretty much a trouble with their this it was a tight the titans but basically the dolphins took on isaiah wilson who also had some personal issues and didn't yeah, per, didn't nice. like the game of football anymore and then he uh he also was he basically retired and was let go so yeah the dolphins i kind of like what they did i think that basically this gives two of the the like hey here's your two receivers you know Hopefully they use them the right way, but we'll see what happens. I still think that two is a little bit too conservative. Uh, I really hope that Brian Flores didn't bring in Jacoby Brissett to do this two-man quarterback bullshit again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the Dolphins had a fairly decent draft. I think the Jet. I honestly, I think the Jets had the best draft out of all of the teams, just because they were so bad that they basically just got better throughout the whole draft but now let's talk about the big bad patriots everybody's talking about mac jones to the patriots and i don't know about you but i'm pretty sure you alluded to it i was jumping out of my seat when i saw justin fields go to the bears because i knew that left one quarterback on the board for the new england (laughs) patriots and that was car salesman business entrepreneur getting ready to go on shark tank mac jones what did you think what like what like are you scared of mac jones obviously bill belichick could take mac jones and they could have an unathletic 
pocket passer like Tom Brady, and we've got a beast to deal with. But honestly, I want to get before I go into my spiel about it. I, what do you think about Mac Jones to the Patriots? Does it scare you? It it does, depending on two factors. It scares me if they sit him for a year or two. Okay. Because they already signed Newton to a one-year deal, so I don't think he plays this year, period. All right. Two, if if that season he had last year was not a byproduct, kind of like Tua, of throwing the three first-round receivers, because what people don't realize is that they had Waddle, they had Devonta Smith, but they mm-hmm. have John Mechie, Yep, who they're already saying is gonna be better than the two of those. They're saying he might go down as the best one to come out, like better than Julio. Numbers man, they, is what I was seeing already. I just man, read a whole article on him yesterday. Actually, Met uh, Mechi is he? He's still in the program, right? Yeah, he's, he's a, gonna he's or, a freshman. He put up a thousand. Yeah, that's what I, a freshman. So doesn't it seem like every single draft class they say that about the Alabama receivers? It's always like, oh, these guys are great, but these next guys, oh my god, I know Julio Jones. Then you got Cooper. Then like, then you got Mm -hmm. Jerry Judy, and now you got Waddle and Devonta Smith, and then I mean they they just keep they keep churning out these guys, and and I mean. So you got a guy like Mac Jones and you got a guy like Tua. They they were throwing to these these, you know, first round yeah. wide receivers. It, it's yeah, not they're surrounded by first round picks. <laughs> like and Mac Jones was throwing to Waddle, Devonta Smith, and John Minty. It's like I think he, I think we were saying it during the season too that hell we could go out there and probably win the damn national championship with all those receivers. <laughs> just sitting, I mean, like and not only that he had Najee Harris in the backfield so it's exactly like, uh, I, I I don't I'm not sold on him uh mm-hmm. because he he it was one one great season with a bunch of talent around him um yeah but if the Patriots can bring him in sit him down let him spend a year or two learning you know he could he could be something depending on uh you know is it the right system for him all that stuff but i mean he's a he's a big guy he can throw it uh we we've seen this show before with tom brady he doesn't have to be that athletic but Mm -hmm. i will say in the modern day nfl having a statue back there is probably not going to work so my big thing I am not scared of Mac Jones. And that is because, and a lot of people want to say, what if he's the next Tom Brady? Well, they don't just churn out Tom Brady's. Um, the big thing about Tom Brady was, if you watch those last couple years of Tom Brady versus the Bills, as we were getting better, you had a legitimate shot that both times we played them in 2019, we should have beat them. With Tom mm-hmm. Brady. So am I going to be scared of a app like a much better Bills team? 
having to go against because I think it would be a mistake if they sit him right and they try to teach him and go back to that same offense they were running with Tom Brady. Like if they try to do that same stuff again, you know, we we've pretty much got like we know what that system is going to be with the checkdowns and the killing you across the middle and things like that. So what are what are they going to do that's different with Mac Jones if they're trying to make him the next Tom Brady prototype that the Bills won't be prepared for? Like, what X factor does he bring to their game that's like Tom Brady? The thing was, he would kill, like, he was like a silent assassin that would cut you up across. Does is Mac Jones going to, does he have the silent assassin in him? I don't know. Because I think Tom Brady always had the chip on his shoulder of being, oh, I was selected in the sixth round. Nobody gave a shit about me. So he See, kind of had I, I don't that. Know what the, I don't know what the combine was like and what tests they did back then. But mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see what Tom Brady's, you know, Wonderlic score was or his, his football IQ score was. Because yeah, that's the thing about Tom Brady is that he's just, he's damn smart. He, he, you're not going to throw a defensive look at him that he doesn't know what's coming. And, and, and that's the problem. <laughs> okay. He, so he just knows what Tom Brady had a, to do. Tom Brady had a 33 on the wonder Lake. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's well above the QB average score of 24, according to bleacher report. So yeah, Tom Brady. Oh, I have no idea. You want me to look that up for you? Keep talking yeah. about Tom Brady and why you think Mac Jones isn't going to be like. I don't. Brady. I don't think I'd be well. While you're at it, look up what Mac Jones scored on the Wonder League. <laughs> okay, uh, Josh Allen got a thirty-seven. Damn. Yeah, we got ourselves a smart guy. Uh, I guess Mac Jones. It doesn't have his Wonder League. A score up here but let's just keep talking i'm gonna see mac jones mac jones there's nothing here for mac jones right yeah, now at the moment re- they probably haven't released the wonder like scores yet for for this Prob- probably not but i'm just going to go out on a limb here and say uh i don't know i think with mac jones i have character issues uh the character issue part of him is kind of my thing he kind of reminds me of having the boxie of a Johnny football. I think that yeah. the thing that made Tom Brady, Tom Brady was him having that chip on his shoulder of, you know, proving people wrong that he was more than just, I mean, Mac Jones like, got taken at 15. Like they're already heralding him as the next best thing in new England. I think it's going to get to his head. He's already had like problems with his, uh, with his personality before. So could it flare up again if he gets a big head? Who knows? I think those questions will still be there for him. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, I I don't think he's gonna be a Tom Brady by any means. I don't think he's gonna be half of that. Um, I I I don't think he's the solution. Yeah. Let's see. I'm still. I'm I'm looking at these scouting reports, trying to figure out what his. Uh, what his wonder like score is, but uh, there's nothing, nothing here they, for that. They so tend to, they tend to keep that stuff under wraps pretty closely. Yeah. They probably don't want you to know if your quarterback's a fucking idiot. Um, so <laughs> probably let, we, we, we talked about 
every single uh, and before actually before we even get into that did you see the video of the new england draft room picking mac jones Uh uh-uh oh my god they're like we are so excited to bring you in we cannot (laughs) wait to and literally sitting there they're sitting there and bill belichick goes are we good with this are we good with this are we gonna do this are we good with this (laughs) And then they're just on the phone like, we're so excited to get to working with you. Uh, I know Coach Saban very well. You know, we got a lot of Alabama guys up here. You know, like all this stuff. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like, yeah, they seemed really excited to get Mac Jones. I bet they were – they they someone – the Bears pissed in their Cheerios Yo, because they sure. wanted, I, I they the wanted Justin Fields. Were, I think the Patriots thought Fields was going to fall right in their lap. Yeah. And that didn't happen to them. So let's get into the team that everybody actually cares about, the Buffalo Bills. Your draft <laughs> thoughts on the Buffalo Bills, dude. I Obviously, like, we've talked you, about this. but You know where I stand. I, I, I think that they did. A, I, I think uh, I think getting Russo where they got him, I, I really like the potential of, of him. Like we talked about before you don't just accidentally get 15 and a half sacks. And on top oh, yeah. of that, you don't accidentally get 15 and a half sacks in the first and only year you've ever played defensive end. <laughs> like, exactly. It doesn't just happen. He's a, he's a, a six foot eight, 270 pound, just Hulk of a man. Monster. He's just a monster. I saw the picture of him standing there with Bean and, and McDermott, and they look like children next to him. <laughs> Ridiculous, right? He, so, he's just a massive man, and I think that's exactly the potential to stick him on the opposite side of Hughes, and then to go and get Basham to play on the inside with Oliver and Star, and you know that that D line is going to be completely different than last year, and they're going to put pressure on the quarterback. Oh yeah, and that's exactly what we were missing. Patrick Mahomes picked us apart because the secondary couldn't hold coverage long enough. I mean, no, he he was just sitting back there, going through his reads, picking out whoever he wanted to pick. We couldn't touch him, and that yeah. that was the whole issue. And so I think Bean did exactly what he needed to do and went and got two big, big boys to to get in there and 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 bolster that D line. So I slandered Gregory Rousseau when we made that pick. <laughs> you know this. You were there. Yes, you, you got all my text. Uh, but now, friend of the show. Gregory Rousseau is now one of my favorite draft picks ever. Uh, You don't know this because this just happened today. I was able to get him to record an intro for the podcast this week. So for first round draft pick, Gregory Rousseau introduced this week's show. And you know what? I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not going to pander to it, but when that first happened, right? Greg Gregory Rousseau, the pick came in. I was furious. You know this because oh, yeah. it's not that I it's 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 not that I thought that Gregory Rousseau was not a good player. Obviously, I knew what was up with Gregory Rousseau. 
I assume I knew he was going to be on the Buffalo Bills draft boards because Marcel Louis Jock went on an NFL Nation mock draft and mock drafted us picking Gregory Rousseau. And I know Marcel knows some things. So I when I saw that, I was like, okay, this guy needs to be on our radar. But then we got to pick 30. And Asante Samuel Jr. was still sitting there. And Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo was still sitting there. And I was like, I'm a big proponent of, I think that the coverage is a little bit more important than pass rush, because I believe that if your coverage is strong enough, that gives your pass rush enough time to get to the quarterback. So I thought that maybe if we got an elite level corner, maybe not elite level, but a, a very above average level corner for cornerback two, that that was going to give our pass rush that we would eventually draft in the second round the ability to go after. I had Carlos Basham mocked in the second round for us. I thought for sure I loved Boogie Basham. And, you know, now that I look at it, I'm like, okay, obviously Bean and McDermott do not think, they think pass rush is more important than coverage. I, I get that. And Gregory Rousseau, I'm sure, is going to come in and be an absolute beast. And I I hated the fact that they doubled up on D-end. But then I also, when I looked back at it, it was like, you know, I kind of like it because now it's like, all right, you've got options now. Like maybe both of these guys don't pan out, but maybe one of them does. And you've got an elite pass rusher. Or maybe you look out and both of them become elite pass rushers. Like you can't really go wrong on doubling up on that. Now, my big beef with the draft was that we took a corner all the way in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were going to take a corner, you might as well have done it early because, you know, we got guys like you said, uh, you showed uh, 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 Elijah Griffin. Uh, we mm-hmm. got him as an undrafted free agent, uh, Warren G's son. Like, you didn't you didn't know that. I had to bring that up to you today. I, I think that that's fucking awesome. But... <laughs> Like, like the he, yeah, and he uh he he graded out. You said it's the twelfth best pass coverage corner in college football. So yeah, apparently, <laughs> from the how, article I read. So the only problem that I can see, and now that we've learned that too about uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, he had a heart problem that apparently came up on medical and made him slip mm-hmm. all the way down. That makes me feel that a lot of these guys that kind of fell like that if he is the 12th best coverage corner in college football, how did he drop that far? Maybe it's medicals. Who knows? Maybe people just weren't actually actively scouting him. Maybe his level of competition wasn't amazing. Uh, But one of my favorite picks was, and I think I told you this last night, was Marquez Stevenson. Mm -hmm. I loved that pick what did you think about marquez stevenson because when i saw that pick come in i was like who and then i looked at him and i did some more research on him and i was like oh what a steal uh i liked the pick because i am a big ucf fan and i watched him play against ucf and yep i i knew exactly who he was and getting losing john brown and getting a guy who can you know who can fly is is a good yeah. move on our part <laughs> because as good as Emmanuel Sanders is at, at this stage in his career, he's not 
you know, he's not coming in and replacing John Brown's speed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I saw it in the immediate thing that popped out on tape was this guy's a burner. Like mm-hmm. I've seen him go in between a seam. And as soon as he split the two defenders, just, it was like a second gear went off and dude just took off. It was absolutely beautiful. And the guy's route running, like I told you last night, it's a little bit hit or miss, but you throw him in a wide receiver room with Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, that kid's going to get his route running right. And, you know, going in, going against top corners like Trey White, it's only going to make him better. And I feel like, you know, that's a sneaky, really good pick that nobody's going to, in a couple of years, people are going to know Marquez Stevenson. And another good one, you know, there was a lot, and we'll talk about the tackles too, but uh, Damar Hamlin, safety from Pittsburgh, that was one that he was sitting on Mel's big board for three hours before we picked him. When you saw Damar Hamlin come in, what did you think about that? Well, I honestly didn't know much about him. Uh, I, I I had to go look him up, and I saw a lot of good things from the analysts about him. Um, and they were saying a, a, a lot of he, – he kind of fell further than yeah. he should have. So getting him where we got him, I think that was a pretty solid pick on our part because we need depth at those positions. Um, especially yeah, he can probably contribute on special teams, and I believe he was the one that said he'll come in and be the water boy if that's what he's got to do. So yeah, that's exactly I, I what like he that. said. I like that kind of attitude. Um, and bef- before I forget, ahead. though, I wanted to say about uh, uh, Stevenson. The the only thing I thought when we picked him was, oh no, what does that mean for McKenzie? Because it, yeah, honestly, he's only on a one year deal. Honestly, if this guy comes into camp and he's he's you know looking like a, a a stud, you know they might just drop McKenzie and keep this guy. Um, Isaiah Isaiah McKenzie is very expendable. We're basically paying Isaiah McKenzie pen, pennies. Like yeah, he's here basically, right. like he said on candy. So this guy this guy would this guy would basically take McKenzie's role initially. He would be the jet sweep guy. He'd be the, you know, the quick bubble screen guy. He'd be the returner. Uh, and, so well, I think and, they and brought him in. To, yeah, that's, if not, he'll end up on the practice squad. But yeah, well, my my big thing, and you said it right there, is I think Isaiah McKenzie might continue to be the jet sweep guy and things like that. But if we truly don't think that he's going to be a good returner for us, I could see Marquez Stevenson being our returner for the first couple of years. He's here. Yeah. If that really and, is the case, or at least for one year when, and then Isaiah McKenzie's out after the season. Mm-hmm. So, so but that yeah, was definitely, Hamlin, I, I definitely thought that was a, a solid pick because just because of how late they got him. Compared to yeah, and I really he was gonna go. Yeah, I really like the uh, the chemistry for it uh, too because he played at Pittsburgh with Dane Jackson, and you know we've had this conversation of you know who we think CB two should be, and you say that you think Bean and McDermott really believe in Dane Jackson, and I want Dane Jackson to be a really good cornerback too for us. I want him to be elite, and I want him to get the chance, but I feel like. 
like the only reason I'm pounding the table for another cornerback is because I think you need more depth at that position because if somebody goes down, you really need to have other options that are more than Rashad Wild Goose, who we also picked in the sixth round, and uh, Taron Johnson, who basically got benched for Cam Lewis this year before Cam Lewis uh, hurt his hand and they had to bring him back in. So, you know, there's there's a bunch of other picks. I really liked our round seven pick, Jack Anderson, guard out of Texas Tech. Dude looks like a little Richie Incognito. I love it. Um, there's uh, also our two tackles that we took, and this is these are the picks that really pissed me off, right? So I liked Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. I was like, okay, a tackle. This guy is known. They're saying, hey, he could switch inside to guard. He's known for that. Uh, I don't know if you want to throw some quick thoughts on Spencer Brown. I think dude is like a beast. He's like six, eight, like 300 pounds. He's a monster. Yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, he's already one of my favorites cause he jumped through a table. So yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, he won me over just with that. Um, no, we honestly, I liked beans approach to this draft mm-hmm. on the D line and the O line he said, give me the big boys because Mm -hmm. that's honestly been our issue. We've been a little bit undersized. We get pushed around in the trenches and, and it's time to end that. We want to be the big boys. We want to go out and win the Super Bowl. We got to be the aggressors. We got to be out there manhandling people. We got to be out there winning in the trenches. Yeah. I um, see. And I like that with Spencer Brown, right? Dude will manhandle people. Uh, but I don't know how I feel about the second one where we took another tackle, Tommy Doyle out of Miami of Ohio. That was when we took him and I was like, okay, Spencer Brown offensive tackle, you know, they say he can switch into guard. That's fine. But then they come out and draft Tommy Doyle who has never been a guard in his entire life going all the way back to peewee football. So why when we have Deion Dawkins and also Daryl Williams, who we just paid a three-year contract and we can't get out of it till after two years. Uh, is Tommy Doyle just a guy who's going to be sitting there and he's going to be our swing tackle every now and then? Or like, what is his role? Because Spencer Brown, I can see maybe eventually if they are able to play him at guard taking over for Feliciano, but are they going to just try to keep doing this thing like they did with Cody Ford, where they try to take these tackles and move them to guard? I just don't understand how that works, especially for a guy who's never played guard in his entire life. My thought on that was just, we had a lot of injury problems on the O-line last year. And Mm -hmm. because of that, we ended up playing guys like Brian Winters all over the garbage. And, I think Bean's thoughts are the same as why you go out and get a Trubisky to back up Josh. I think he's going and he's picking up these two tackles to sit behind Dawkins and sit behind Darrell Williams because we need depth at those tackles because if something happens to them, <laughs> we're in trouble. So Yeah, we lost they- Ty Naseki to the Cowboys. So yeah, so I think his I, thought was, I got to go out and get me a couple of a big bruising tackles to sit yeah. and learn behind my my two stud tackles, 
and hopefully if something happens, these guys can step in and, and, uh, and kind of keep us afloat a little bit. Yeah. That's really good. He couldn't afford to go. He couldn't afford to go out and pay tackles. So, uh, well, we brought in Bobby Hart and that's like just a camping. Yeah, it better be. I swear to God, if it's like a Brian Winters situation where Bobby Hart is on the 53 man roster, I will burn down one bills drive. That is ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, I, overall, I think that our draft was solid. What would you give as a final grade for this draft? I'd say it just, it's hard to say. In my opinion, do I think yeah. he addressed all of the needs? I'd probably give it a B plus just because I would have liked to see us take a corner a little earlier than the sixth round. Yeah. But other than that, I'm okay with what he was doing. Yeah. And, and, and so I love, I, I love the Russo pick. You know that. As soon as it yeah. came in, I was blowing up your phone. And I was like, Yeah. I was 15 and a half sacks. Oh my was, God. This guy's a beast. I, I mean, I and remember I, watching him in college. This yeah. dude, he, he just, and when I went back and I was watching some of his highlight videos, it's just, he was getting to the quarterback like guys were hanging on him there was this one play where the guy tried to like run past him he got him by the jersey and he ripped the guy down by his jersey <laughs> with his one hand while he was laying on the ground the he massive pulled, hands he pulled this man back and down to the ground with one hand <laughs> like i'm like yeah. he just stopped like a 200 pound man with one arm just just I, stopped him dead in his tracks and pulled him to the ground. I'm like, again, That's what we need. now, now friend of the show, Gregory Rousseau will be an amazing pick. I do believe. And I did see, I hate draft grades because really you can't grade a draft till about two or three years out. Mm-hmm. Like that's when, you know, really if it was a successful draft or not, but honestly, I did a whole video breaking down every single draft pick. And I came to the same conclusion as you. I think that the draft is above average. I thought it was a B plus uh, only because like you said, we addressed corner way too late. I didn't really, I wasn't sold on the double tackle, like double up on that. Uh, I really would have liked to have seen, like I said, I would have liked to have seen a corner in the first round with Asante Samuel jr. Still sitting there and then have boogie bash and fall to us in the second because if Gregory Rousseau is still sitting there, Boogie Basham is definitely still sitting there in the sixth round for us to take. So, um, yeah, man, that was – so my final analysis was a B plus. And, you know, there's just one last thing we got to talk about before we get out of here tonight, or as people are listening to this, probably on their drive home from work, ready for the weekend – Recently, the Buffalo Bills picked up the fifth-year options for Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. What, like, do you like this move? Would you have liked to have seen a deal get done with these with these guys before we picked up their fifth-year options, or do you think it was smart to take the fifth year? I think I think picking up the fifth-year option was just a matter of, I mean, obviously, we weren't going to decline it, you know. Yeah. So I think I think Bean has already told Josh, hey, you know we're working on it. I think he's probably told Tremaine, hey, you know, we gotta see 
where the money falls and and we want to see you know one more year of this before we you know <laughs> before we pay it out because uh, you know you and I have talked about it he he he's had flashes of you know being this pro bowl stud middle linebacker but then he's mm-hmm. had flashes of just looking utterly lost out there and i i'm guessing the bean is probably picking up the option because he knows the potential but also trying to hold off as long as he can before he makes a decision long term so i'm so glad that you came to that because my big thing and i'm probably going to talk about it in the first half of the show this is the second half and it's running longer than a normal show usually is uh <laughs> my 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 big thing was picking up the fifth year option for josh allen i i could see us maybe just taking that and trying to fit that into an extension mm-hmm. if that was going to happen uh but with tremaine edmonds I was so glad that they picked up that fifth year option only because we need more evaluation on both of the guys. Honestly, I know some people are sold on Josh and I've had this conversation with Bryce before and people are saying, Oh, we need to extend him now. And I'm kind of in the camp of, you know, he had one great season and I love it, but I don't want to get golfed or winced. I would like one more year of seeing Josh Allen go out there and play at a high level so that I know that it wasn't just a fluke. It's not a one-year thing, and you're not getting absolutely trashed with your salary cap if Josh Allen decides he wants to go back to being like 2019 Josh Allen. So, you know, and while I don't think that that would happen with Josh, I like the fact that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott still, for both of these guys, are having one more year of evaluation on them to figure out whether they want to lock them in long-term or not. So the only the only thing I'd offer up on Josh is uh, when comparing him to golfer wins. When you look at the numbers, uh, yeah, they golf never really he wasn't making these amazing plays. He was just it was kind of like Tua at Alabama. He was throwing a lot of screen. Golf was a product of the system. He was throwing a lot of short passes. He was throwing a lot of bubble screens and tight end, you know, uh, drag routes. And and they were turning into these – they just had a lot of gimmicky plays. And and Wentz was – honestly, I think Wentz is going to look pretty good with the Colts. I I think he was a byproduct of just getting beat up because his O-line. I mean – does he have a little bit of far venom where he, he he makes some some pretty stupid reads and and just tries to fit the ball in there? Yeah, he's a little mm-hmm. bit of a gunslinger, but I don't think Wentz was was uh, as bad as I, I tell you what I think Wentz is better as a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But uh, yeah, that's, that's I my totally opinion. agree with that. Um, um, but what I would offer up on Josh is my fear, my only fear with Josh is that with him being such an intelligent quarterback that he took a leap, not only because he became more accurate and Uh he had the weapons that he deserved, but it was COVID. There was no fans in the stands. 
he could hear the yeah. defense calling out their audibles. He could hear yep. the defense calling out their their shifts and their plays. And thank and, you for bringing I mean, this up. Vice versa, the defense could hear him, but yeah, he could adjust. And with him being such a high football IQ quarterback, that's an advantage. Thirty-three on the wonder like baby. I, I think you saw that across. I thought you said he got a thirty-seven. Did he get a thirty-seven? I already forgot. I think you said thirty-seven. He beat Brady. Whatever by it four is, points. he's smart as hell. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I think you saw it across the NFL, actually. I think Rodgers took big advantage of it. I mean, my God, he put up some yeah. gaudy numbers last year. I, I think all the – He's the only reason Josh didn't win MVP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I the only – my only fear is that, you know, that contributed. So, what I would want to see this year is he does it again with fans in the stands. When he yeah. can – when he's – got to do it without being able to hear the the defense call out their shifts in their plays. <laughs> yeah. So, so my big thing with that is too, um, even if he takes a slight regression from last year, right? Maybe say he still, it takes him a little bit of getting used to now having to do it all on his own and not be able to hear all the shifts and things like that. Say it takes him a little bit longer. Um, I don't consider that a reason to not pay him as much. See, so obviously he played fantastic last year. He, uh, aside from the two games where he was injured, he was <laughs> honestly one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year. So mm-hmm. if he even takes maybe a slight, like just a nudge back, right? Because of, you know, playing with fans in the stands and stuff, he's still going to be playing on an elite level. So, oh yeah. oh yeah. So I I need to see one year where it's normal football that Josh Allen's going to go out there and absolutely tear the league up. If I get that one year and say he fucks around and wins an MVP or brings us to a Super Bowl, God forbid. Uh, you know, I have no problem everybody the the argument is people want to pay him now so that we lock him in before he does that and we have to pay him more money. And I get that from the business side of things, but from the logical standpoint, you have to get as much analysis on Josh Allen as possible to make sure you're making the right investment when you have to pay him. Yeah. And, but honestly though, after the season he had, if he takes us to the Super Bowl, he's not going to earn that much more money from doing that. No, it's probably a couple million more a year. It's not like he's going to go from, oh, we're going to give him 30 million right now. But if he wins the Super Bowl, we're going to give him 45. Like it's, yeah, we're we're talking, he's probably in the range right now. He's probably, if they were negotiating, he'd probably be in the range of 36 to 40. And if he goes out there and wins an MVP or takes us to the Super Bowl, we're probably talking, 40 to 43 at the most like yeah and and the big thing is to and and i and i love it because i want to give josh allen this money i don't think josh allen is going to be what i'm going to say a money grubbing whore i think he's gonna take whatever helps the team yeah he's not going to absolutely bend the team over cap wise like we know josh allen and obviously dude needs to get paid he deserves it 
he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game, at least at this moment after the one year. And, you know, I think he understands more than anything. And I'm sure Bean has these conversations. It's like, hey, we want to do what's best for you. But, you know, also we got to remember about the team. And I know that Josh knows that, you know, he's a product of having weapons around him too. Eventually we're going to have to pay Stefan Diggs and we're going to have to pay Gabe Davis and whatever, whoever else we draft or who we bring in. So Josh Allen always has these weapons to throw to. So I don't think Josh is going to bend the organization over to get paid. Mm -mm. I don't think so so either. I mean, you and I had that whole conversation the one time talking about would he take a a hometown discount and not hometown in the sense that, you know, he's not getting paid shit, but yeah. But my, my thought is exactly that he's gonna, he's gonna want to get paid what he deserves, but also do do it in a manner that allows the team to be flexible, but keep a team around him. He's not going to go be like, I want 50 million a year so I can be the highest paid quarterback. I want to, I want to be paid more than Mahomes, just cause yeah, like he's yeah, not going to do and that. In that same vein too, Brandon Bean is a cap wizard. So that contract, mm-hmm. when it comes out, you know, there's going to be, you know, ways to tweak it and save some money and convert convert things into bonuses and all that stuff kind of like Mahomes' contract was so yeah and it'll it'll be like russell wilson's deal that one time because there was a year where his cap hit was like 60 mil but, yeah and he converted i think he converted like 30 million of it to a signing bonus or some, yeah. something like that it was like the, the the way they do these contracts now the salary cap doesn't need it, it, the number the annual number per year doesn't matter. Like we could go no. out there and offer them 60 mil a year. It would still work with the cap. <laughs> like, yep. The way that we're able to schedule it out, it definitely would work. So I'm, I'm not too worried about, about that. I just, uh, like I said, uh, the interesting part for me will be seeing him do it again. I think he's going to do it again. I think he's going to have an even better year personally, because I really hope so. I, I think he will. I think that he's going to take an even bigger step because the first year he had nothing. The second year he had the deep ball, but he, he wasn't accurate in the short. He, incre- he this, increased his uh, completion percentage by like 2%. Yeah. Going into the second year. And then last year he started to put it all together and he was yep. short, he was accurate in the short game, the intermediate game. He started to hit the deep pass again. I think you're going to see him because, and last year was a product of he knew the playbook inside and out. Dable was letting him call the plays and change the plays at the line. He had full control of the offense last year. And I think this year it's going to be even more in that regard. And when you take a smart quarterback that's got a cannon like him and you let him have free reign. It's 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 tough to stop that, especially when they get it, and he gets it. And that's what makes you the optimist, man. And that's why I love you. That's <laughs> that's awesome. You coming out immediately, and I said I hope so. And you're like, I think he is. I think he is. Oh, I love that. He's man. gonna. He, you can't you can't believe anything else. You gotta you gotta believe, or else. It's just depressing. <laughs> exactly. Well, you, you have to look at it, how our conversation already went, right? You said you think he's going to take the step forward. I was talking about 
if he even takes a slight nudge back, I'm not going to be yeah. mad. So, see, we, we look at it at two different perspectives, but, of course, we both want Josh Allen to do good. And, man, we have been talking for an hour and 31 minutes. And, you know, if I wasn't at the end of my list, I'm sure we could talk forever. Plus, it's also getting towards 1 in the morning, and my eyes are about to be glued shut. So oh, goody. I'll be uh, yeah. awakening to my toddler in about five hours. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's great, man. I want to thank you for getting on here, man. Dude, that's awesome. I, I, I love being able to talk to family members on here as well, because you guys, you guys know me and you guys know the bills just as much as I do. You all can have your own podcast if you really wanted to. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, well, thanks for having me on. I love, love joining in whenever I can. Well, dude, I'm going to make sure now that we have this new format to where you can pretty much just call in from your phone now. We're probably going to have to do this more often. This is great. (laughs) Plus, an hour and 32 minutes. This is great content, man. This is great content. People are probably driving on their way to work just like, oh, my God, a two-hour episode? This is great. I don't know. I should have been listening to our four-hour conversation while we were playing Call of Duty last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I I can't record those. That's crazy. But I want to thank everybody for listening and taking the time out of their day to listen to the Lowdown with Jake Jordan. Also brought to you by Gregory Rousseau, friend of the show, who you know introed us in to this show. Again, I'm gonna throw that out there as much as I can. I love the fact that I got our first round pick to intro the show. So. That's awesome. Uh, But I want to thank everybody for listening to this, however you are in the gym, in your car, just ready for the weekend. This has been the coolest show in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. I have been your host, Jake Jordan, with my brother, Adam Jordan, and I will see you guys next week. 